Pentecost is a name ascribed to those believers who know what it is to be filled with the Spirit according to Scripture. It says that many different branches of uh, denominations of people that have experienced the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Um, it's not just a denomination. It's cross-denominational because it is a ministry of the Holy Spirit. You may have heard terms like Pentecostals. That would be a type of denomination. But once the Holy Spirit began to pour out and get renewed again in the 20th century, we saw that the Holy Spirit moved into other denominations, Baptist, Methodist, Episcopal, Presbyterian, and those were the charismatic movements, the charismas, the gifts. And so we're known as Pentecostals, charismatics. You might have heard the term full gospel because we believe the full Bible, that what is written there is still prevalent today and still functioning today. Probably the best description is spirit-filled. And so all these names, Pentecostals, Charismatics, Full Gospel, Spirit-filled, what it means is believers who move in the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit, believing that everything within the book of Acts is still present today. The Holy Spirit didn't give something to the church fathers and then it stopped. We believe that the Spirit of God and the gifts of God are still functioning until Jesus returns. 1 Corinthians 1, 7 says that, that we would fall short of no gift until Christ returns. So that's what we are and that's what we believe. And especially on this day of Pentecost. And I'm excited because as a Christian group, those believers filled with the Spirit of God, that is the fastest growing group of Christians around the world. God's Spirit is moving. Some of you are uh, discouraged by the church in the West and in America, but I want you to know, if you poke your head outside of the U.S., you'll see that God is moving powerfully throughout the world. Spirit-filled believers, if you'll take a look at this, 644 million people claim to be spirit-filled believers. That's 26% of all Christians. Look at the numbers here. For North America, 68 million spirit-filled believers. In Europe, 21 million. In Asia, 125 million. In Latin America, 195 million. And in Africa, 230 million spirit-filled believers. In Oceania region, 4 million. It's the fastest growing segment in Christianity. Some believe by 2050, over 1 billion believers will be spirit-filled. That's 30% of all Christians. That's almost one in three of all Christians will be spirit-filled believers. I believe that that is so essential for these days and in this hour. And I'll tell you why. Because the Pentecostals or the full gospel or the spirit-filled believers maintain the doctrines, the historical doctrines of the church, that Scripture is the inspired Word of God and that the Holy Spirit is here to sanctify us so that we live a holy life exhibiting and demonstrating the power of the kingdom of God. That is a Christian the world needs at this time. And God is moving powerfully. If you look at this picture, you'll see that probably the, the biggest move right now in South Africa, in Latin America, is in the Southern Hemisphere. For so long, Christianity 
uh, has dominated the northern hemisphere through Europe and the United States. But now the shift in the wind of the Spirit is in the southern hemisphere. That's important. You know, you and I get stuck on listening to North American preachers. We're usually listening to Western Christians. And with that, many times we get, sorry to say, a compromised message. It's time to start paying attention to what's being preached through the southern hemisphere where God is active and moving powerfully. What I'm also excited about is the fastest growing regions of spirit-filled believers. You can see these different spots, but mainly concentrated where? In the Middle East, right where God is going to be moving and drawing attention to all nations. Can you believe it? Iran is in a place right now of revival. Christians are just busting loose in underground churches in Iran. And uh, that's really exciting to see the Middle East exploding with spirit-filled believers. God is moving. So what is this Pentecostalism, this charismatic that we talk about? It's based on the Feast of Pentecost. Penta means 50. Pentecost is the harvest feast 50 days after Passover. So we have the Passover with Jesus coming into Jerusalem, being slain as the Passover lamb, the feast of first fruits. Jesus rises from the dead on that feast day, ascends into heaven. He, after he rises from the dead, though, well, wait a minute, he spends 40 days with his disciples, doesn't he? Then he ascends into heaven, and then there's 10 days they're waiting in the upper room, and on the feast of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes in like a mighty rushing wind and tongues of fire come upon the heads of those 120 believers and they are immersed, filled, baptized with the Spirit of God. God's own nature now for the first time can come and dwell in human beings. The reason that is possible is because the blood of Jesus has cleansed sin And as you put faith in Jesus, your sins are cleansed and washed. And now the spirit of holiness can come dwell within us. And the response to that is an overwhelming river and water flowing out of us with tongues and praise and exaltation to God. And that's the gift of Pentecost. That's the power and outpouring of the Holy Spirit. From there, Christianity spread to the known world and The response is that people were being healed and delivered and understanding who Christ Jesus is. Basically, the work of the Holy Spirit and the Pentecostal move is to do three things. Save, sanctify, and set the believer on fire. Those three things. To be saved is a work of the Holy Spirit. It is not a work of man. It is not a work of your intellect. It's not a work of a clever argument. You must be born from above. You must be born of the Spirit to be saved. It's not simply a decision. It is an act of faith on your part, but it is a supernatural birth by the Holy Spirit who come and dwells in you. That's salvation. That's where many understand the baptism of the Holy Spirit in the, in the one sense where we were baptized into Christ's death, immersed into Christ's death. 
And once we've been immersed into Christ's death, we are saved. The Spirit comes. We're sealed by the Holy Spirit to do the work of being sanctified. Now the Holy Spirit, what is he called? The Holy Spirit, better understood, Spirit of Holiness. The Spirit of Holiness dwells in us now. And what's he going to do? Ezekiel said he will move you to holiness. So he's going to search out in your soul, those areas that need to be cleansed and sanctified and set apart for God. And that's the work that he's doing right now with all of us. We're all being sanctified. And parts of our lives are being cleansed and renewed and washed and restored. As we walk in holiness by the power of God's Spirit. Be ye holy as I am holy, says the Lord. It would be impossible to be holy like God if we didn't have the impartation of his nature in us. So if we're going to celebrate uh, Pentecost, we got to celebrate holiness. God separating us from the world. I am so sick and tired of the church trying to draw the world by the world's attributes. It makes no sense at all. That's why the world sees the church as just another attempt of a social club. They want to see something different, and the church should be completely different because we present love, joy, peace, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, the, the gifts, or the, I'm sorry, the fruit of God's own nature, and everyone's craving those things. So the church is being sanctified, set apart to be a holy people. And then thirdly, the Holy Spirit was given for dunamis power. To set a fire. Why do you think that there were tongues of fire over their head on the day of Pentecost? Because God was burning in their hearts with fire. They were behind locked doors, afraid of what was going to happen in the city. Once they got saved by the Holy Spirit, sanctified, filled with the Holy Spirit, they bust out of those doors on fire and began preaching in every language and tongue of that day. That's being set on fire. Where I love what Charles Wesley said. Uh, people said, how do you do it? How do you draw so many to Christ? He, he used to go out in, he and uh, um, they, they, the other revivalists, they'd go out into the uh, uh, fields and, and begin preaching something so unusual. Uh, usually it was kept within church buildings, but they'd go out into the fields and they'd say, how do you bring so many to Christ? How do you do it? And he said, all I do is stand in the field and ask God to set me on fire. I just burn for Jesus. That's what we need more of. Fire-filled believers that are consumed and burning with the passion of the Holy Spirit. And so God wants to pour out on us his holy fire. A fire. So we're saved, we're sanctified, and we are set on fire to be used by God in this work. Now, let me go into some scripture to help you understand really simply what God wants to do with us. Romans chapter 8, verse 11, and it's really simple. If that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is living in you. Stop right there. First of all, consider the power of the Holy Spirit 
the dunamos, that's the Greek word, we get the word dynamite from it, the explosive power of the Holy Spirit raised Jesus from the dead. It not only just raised, uh, you got to understand something here. This isn't talking about raising a dead body from the dead. This is talking about destroying the power of death. Jesus wasn't just brought back to life, brothers and sisters. Jesus was resurrected, a new eternal body, physical eternal body, raised from the dead. He just didn't come back to life. He has a new resurrected body, an eternal body. If that same spirit that has the dunamis power to break the power of death and reconfigure the physical body into an eternal body, that's the power we're talking about. If that power lives in you, well, how do I get it? How do I get it? When you're saved, you get it. Once you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the very person of the Holy Spirit comes in you fully, fully, and now it's time to release him. Let him flow in your life. So if the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, he will raise or quicken you, as the King James says, right? He will quicken you or he will give life to your mortal body because his spirit lives in you. If that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, he will quicken or make alive your mortal body. What I want to emphasize right here, this is not talking about the resurrection. Of course, there will be one day we'll be resurrected with Jesus Christ. Our body will be changed in the twinkling of an eye. This mortal will put on immortality. We will have a new body. That's at the first resurrection which is the rapture, the first resurrection, that will take place. We will be changed in a twinkling of an eye. But this verse is talking about right now, while you're living on this earth in a mortal body, this mortal body will be quickened or made alive with the power of resurrection in it. And a better translation of this is he will make alive, give life to your mortal body. That word mortal is emphasizing your deadness. He's going to make alive your dead body. Man, I don't know. I've been to a lot of churches where it's a cemetery. It's dead, man. People are dead. People say, oh, you're Christianity. You're one of those Pentecostals. You're those kind that... You know, you're just all emotional. I'm not emotional. Well, I am emotional. (laughs) Thank God I'm emotional. I feel things. But it's not emotion-based. It's spirit-based. It's life-based. If the same spirit, that power, that energy that raised Jesus and gave him an eternal body, raised him from the dead and dwells in you, he's going to quicken or make alive your dead body. That's what Paul meant when he said in Ephesians 2. You who were dead in your trespasses and sin have been made alive in Christ. So come on, people. Let's get alive. Let's get a life. And so the Spirit of God wants to make alive our dead bodies. And what I'm talking about are the dead zones. You hear me now? You hear me now? How many bars you got? Right? You know, our little phones show us how many bars you are. Can you hear me now? 
How alive are you? And how many of you have ever gone in a dead zone and you lose connection? What parts of your body only have one bar, two bars? Right? You need to be plugged in. The spirit that raised Christ from the dead wants to give life to your dead zones. He is on a search in your soul to flood you with the river of life by his spirit. We're to be made alive. Our deadness is supposed to come to life. This is not the time for the church to be dead. This is not the time for the church to have dead zones and to lose connection with heaven. We're to be filled with the Spirit. Uh, make alive your dead body. Let me, let me talk about our mortal bodies. How about our five senses? I just want to take this as an analogy. The Holy Spirit wants to make alive your five senses. You have eyes to see. The Spirit gives you spiritual vision. Spirit eyes to see what you see with spiritual eyes. And uh, what was dead was your ability to see the things of heaven, to see the things of God. How many of you know that when you got saved and when you went outside, you began to see the handiwork of God? All of creation, the beauty of God. By the Spirit, you can see into situations. You can see that you need to help a situation. You can see in the spirit realm what God is saying. For the first time, you can see in Scripture and understand it. He's changing the way you see things. We walk by faith, not by sight, because our new sight is in the realm of faith. What about touch? This Holy Spirit's going to take your dead body and your dead touch and now make it alive with Him so that when you lay hands on the sick, you're praying for them. You're imparting comfort. You're imparting care. You're imparting the love of God. And you're imparting the resurrection power for healing in people's lives. Your senses now become sanctified to see in the Spirit, to touch in the Spirit. What about hearing? Now you hear the voice of God like never before. And some of you are saying, Pastor, I don't have those things. Then ask the Holy Spirit to open your ears. For those who have ears to hear, let them hear what the Spirit's saying to the church. I want to hear you, Jesus. I want to tune in. I need a hearing aid. Holy Spirit, be be my hearing aid. I want to hear what the Lord is saying to the church, what the Lord's saying in my life. Open my spiritual ears. Give me a spiritual touch. Give me spiritual eyes to see what I need to do for those around me. What about smell? I never heard of that. Holy Spirit smell. (laughs) Sniff out. Know where there's danger. When I think of the smell, I think of discernment. That's how you know. You know, you can't taste things without having a, a nose. You have to be able to smell to get a taste. And so what do we mean by smell? A discerning spirit to discern, to sniff out, to smell what is needed at this point by the Holy Spirit. Come on, he's making alive our dead bodies. Many of you are just walking. You have the Holy Spirit in you, but you've not made alive the deadness of your former way of life. God wants your spiritual senses alive. And last of all, to taste and see that the Lord is good. Boy, when the spirit taste is alive, you begin to realize, I've got joy. I've got peace. You taste the nature of God in your being. You can smell when the enemy's coming. You can smell by the way he does things, the things he planted in your life. 
and you taste the goodness of God. Your five senses, this dead body, is made alive in Christ. So begin to pray this week about your dead, deadness and, and pray, God, give me spiritual eyesight, spiritual touch, spiritual hearing, spiritual smell, and spiritual taste to discern and to know and to see and to touch and to reach, led by the Spirit of God. Now consider your soul, the intellect, emotion, and will. If the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead comes and lives in you, He will make alive your dead bodies, your dead soul. You were once dead in trespasses and sin. The only thing you and I could do well was sin. It's all we knew how to do. All we knew how to do was satisfy our flesh. And our intellect and our emotion and our will was geared towards the flesh continually. But once the Spirit of God came in, He came to sanctify your intellect, sanctify your emotions, and sanctify your choices. A Spirit-driven, Spirit-led person, their intellect comes alive. They begin to understand Scripture. They begin to understand people. They begin to understand the dynamics of the enemy. They begin to hear and listen and read through the lies that are being propagated out there. They see and distinguish between things because your intellect has been made alive in Christ Jesus. You begin to emotionally feel deeper than ever before. Now, you're feeling things that you never felt before because you're feeling the Holy Spirit's emotion. It says, grieve not the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is grieved today by what's going on in our nation. The Spirit of God is grieved by the way people are brutally killing each other and people are uh, rioting and moving out and there's such injustice and people are so frustrated and don't know what to do and in an emo a fallen emotional state they are only enraged but if believers who are emotionally driven by justice of God would pour out what is true what is love what is joy bring counsel to these situations because you're spirit-led emotionally, intellectually, and your choices are now by the Spirit's will. That's what the fruit of the Spirit is, self-control. The Spirit-led control of your will. And that's what God's doing. That's what we're celebrating on Pentecost Sunday. Look at everybody wants Jesus to pour out and bring a revival. Can I tell you something? What good is a revival if your intellect, emotion, and will is out of whack with God? You want to pour gas on a fire of a bunch of immature believers? God wants his people prepared for an outpouring. God wants his people to be filled with the Spirit so once He pours on that fire into His people, they will intelligently, emotionally, properly, and willfully act as He wants us to. But many just want Jesus to do the work. Send a revival and that'll fix everything. No, it won't. If the Holy Spirit couldn't get you to make right choices now, what makes you think being filled with Him in such a state that you don't know how to handle Him? Now, in fact, this is what the Lord woke me up with this morning. The ABCs of a Spirit-filled life. This is what God wants, the ABCs of Spirit-filled people. There's no advancing without a cost. 
You cannot advance in your spiritual maturity without a cost. You can't have the world and Jesus too. You can't have, I want to feel an outpouring of the Holy Spirit on Sunday, but Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I'll live for myself. You can't advance spiritually without a cost. You've got to cut some things off. Some of you have to cut relationships off. Some, I, I know some folks who want their relationships blessed. I, 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 I've had people, I'll leave that alone. <laughs> Listen, you, you want God to bless your life, but you're living in sin. You want to advance spiritually, I want to grow and mature spiritually, but you're sleeping around. How, how does that happen? The cost is you got to live a holy life. You want to advance spiritually, you, it will cost you self-denial. You want the benefits without the commitment. Come on. You know how many men will not get married? They don't want the commitment, but they sure want the benefits. So, so many times couples are living together because they're getting the benefits of a marriage by sleeping together and sharing finance, but they won't commit to each other. You can't, in the kingdom of God, you can't have his benefits without the commitment. Jesus said this, you must die to yourself daily. If you want to follow me, you must follow me to the cross. So if you want the benefits of this kingdom, you need the commitment. Last of all, you want to live a clean life, you need discipline. These are the ABCs. If you want a clean life in Jesus, you want to live a consecrated life, it's time to get disciplined. And, and come on, the discipline I'm talking about is telling your flesh no, because I'm choosing to obey the Spirit. And you know what? I know this is of the Holy Spirit because this is what he does. He convicts. I thought, Lord, you know what? Pentecost Sunday, how about I preach about the outpouring? How about I preach about dancing in the river? How about I preach about the, the blessings and the grace of God and woo, glory to God and all the feelings? And he said, I want you to give the ABCs. I said, wow, that's kind of tough. And he goes, yeah, but that's what the Spirit is. We've lost conviction in the Pentecostal movement. We've lost holiness. We're so flooded with the grace of God and the experiences, we forgot that he is going to drive us into holiness and sanctify us. That's the work of the Holy Spirit, to cleanse us. The ABCs, you can't advance without a cost. You can't have the benefits without commitment. And you can't be consecrated or clean without discipline. That's your part. Count the cost. Be committed. And get disciplined to live a holy life. Now you'll reap the fruit of God's nature. It is so good. It is so wonderful. But I'm here to tell you. You know, if you're looking for an easy life, God just bless me, bless me, bless me, bless me. What good are you to the kingdom of God? There is a dying world out here that God put you out on a commission for. He said, go and win the lost. And wherever you go, you're to feed them. You're to clothe them. Right? You're to visit them. You're to care for them. Oh, Lord, when did we do that? When you did it to the least. That's Pentecostalism. I love the stuff at the altar. I love it. 
You know what I love more than the stuff at the altar? I love when God just tears me open and brings healing to the deepest wounds of my soul to where I'm wrenched and I'm bleeding with emotion because I've finally been delivered of such an issue. It's not pleasant, but it is healing and restorative. It's a cost. That's the spirit-filled Pentecost I'm looking for again. When people are broken at the altar and God is moving so deeply, they're so convicted of sin that they're done playing with the trash of the world. I'm not talking about people. I'm talking about the sin. That's Pentecost. When people will give up everything of their free time and their finance and their money to go win the lost. That's Pentecost. You want a revival? That's Pentecost. But we can't advance without the cost. We can't have all these benefits without the commitment. We can't walk clean without discipline. This is the message of Pentecost. And look at, with the power of God in it, we can do it. Our part is to carry the cross. His part is to pour in life. Life. And life abundantly. That's the Spirit-filled life. So on this Pentecost Sunday, cry out to God for a move in your heart so deep that you count the cost. That you commit yourself to the Holy Spirit and you become disciplined to listen, to taste, to touch, to see, to be changed through the Spirit of Holiness. That's the move coming to this earth. And this world so desperately needs it. Let's win people to Jesus, not to ourselves. Let's win people to Jesus and not to our programs. Let's win people to Jesus and not our church. Let's win people to Jesus. That's the heart of the Holy Spirit. Everybody say amen to that. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Well, on this Pentecost Sunday, keep, keep pressing in for the Lord, asking Him to move. Amen. Let me pray for you now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for a shift in our intellects, our emotions, and our will that the Holy Spirit will bring. That God, our commitment level, our discipline, Lord God, the cost will grip our souls to surrender to you, Holy Spirit, that you would, O oh God, give us eyes to see, ears to hear, our noses to smell, the taste and the touch, to be so open to the Holy Spirit that our intellect, emotion, and will is gripped by you and we realize we are alive in the Spirit of God. You've quickened this dead body. And people will begin to see it. I pray for that outpouring right now. Be loosed into people's lives, into their hearts, into their homes right now. I pray for the young people, Lord God, who are looking for something. May they find the Spirit of God to be so fascinating and so amazing, Lord God. And Lord, I pray for the children to be captivated by the wooing of your Spirit. Such a joyful, childlike heart. You love them. So much, Jesus, you love their heart. Pour into them and draw them to yourself. I release the power of the Holy Spirit by the unction of God in me and say amen and amen.